Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on the Church Brand Guide podcast. This is Michael Persaud. Before we get into the content, I wanted to share with you a couple of uh, recent developments that we have been stepping into. The podcast has lent itself to uh, helping us reach a larger audience. So we are an agency and basically we work with churches and companies, but primarily churches to help them build their brand, whether it's through a website, a logo design, or maybe some videos. But the podcast has allowed us in the last year to reach beyond that, to reach a wider audience and help more churches and more organizations learn what branding is and become really good at it. So as a result of that, we've been uh, receiving invites to to speak at uh, conferences. So we just did one. And um, just about a week ago here in the Kansas City area with a group of local pastors and uh, it went really well. We're going to come back and do some more of that. Um, we also have another one scheduled in January that we're going to do here in the area. So that's been exciting. Uh, we really enjoy the opportunity to do that and to, to really help churches on a, on a broad scale learn about branding and uh, how they can create these strong brands that gets people on board with the vision and support it with their time, their resources, and their and their money. So it's been working really well. So another development recently is that we are working more closely. I'm working on a couple of different church teams, almost as an extension of their staff, consulting with them on how to build a brand specific to the situation that they're in. So this has been exciting. We've uh, we've been able to come in there. Um, I work with their media team and also with their leadership team to really help them define who they are. So uh, the benefit that this is going to provide for our podcast is allowing me to speak directly um, about some case studies that have happened. So it's not not only theories and, and some techniques that you can use, but also I want to share with you case studies, things that we are actually doing and share with you the results so that you can learn from them. So that one of the first things I want to share with you along these lines is that in both cases, we really have to get clarity about who the church is so that we can uh, make good decisions as we move forward and help the church in, uh, in general make good decisions as we, as we move forward. So what this has meant is nailing down a purpose statement, a vision statement, a mission statement, and a culture, defining the culture of the church so that is, um, it's, a, it's a struggle to do that. It's not an easy process. It takes some uh, wrestling uh, among key leadership to really determine what that is. But once we have that in place, it really gives us a lot of clarity so that we can make good decisions and go in the right direction and not chase after things just because it might be a good idea. But it really has to fit into the criteria of what we're saying we are as a church and then go from there. So I want to share with you that the purpose, when we say purpose, defining a purpose, here's what we mean. What Purpose means why we do what we do. So as an organization, you should define why we do what we do. By vision, we're talking about what we as a church hope to create. So a vision is basically a statement that says what we hope to create as a church. Uh, your mission is basically we're defining what we ask people to do. So as a church, you should define your mission, what you're asking people to do. And the fourth component we're helping to put into place is a basically a, a social covenant or how we relate to one another, defining that, how do teams relate to one another. So by having these things in place and really figuring this out, 
we feel very confident that we're going to set up both organizations to be successful as we move forward and create media to support these big ideas. So um, just want to share with that with you. Today, our topic that we're going to get into on the, on the podcast is about creating a great website and what does it take to create a great website for your church. So I've invited our special guest. His name is Chase Rupliger and Rup, Rep Logal. I'm sorry I messed up his name, but it's a really tough name if you have to read it off. Um, But Chase is a a great, great um, resource that we have come into contact with. He's not only a web developer, but he's a pastor. He pastors a church. He's a lead pastor of a church that also develops website. So uh, we're going to talk with Chase today about what makes a great website for your church and give you some tips on what what your website should include. Uh, especially if you're thinking about building a new website or you think you need a new website, this should really help you determine what that is and even grade the website you currently have and maybe make some improvements on that. So uh, we'll get into this conversation, but the big two ideas that we that I want to put out there is that the website is the center of all your marketing. So a good website is the center of all marketing. Everything points back to the website and uh, it should basically be able to help people your target audience get to what they need, the information they need to get to. The second thing that a good website does is it serves as a center of all communication. So both people that are members and longtime attenders of the church, as well as new people that are, might be checking out the church for the first time, the website really serves as the center of all communication. It's basically the front door to your church. So let's get right into the conversation today with Chase, and let's unpack what a great website looks like for your church. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me today on the Church Brand Guide podcast. Uh, Today we have a guest that's going to help us unpack a website, a good church website, and what you should be looking to do when you build your church website. Um, So on our show today we have Chase Replogal. And uh, he's going to help us understand uh, what a good website looks like for your church. So welcome, Chase, to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Michael. Uh, I'm glad I can be a part. I uh, appreciate you coming on. I know you got some great things happening in your world, so we'll get to that a little bit later on. But can you introduce yourself a little bit to our audience? Uh, let them know who you are and, and what you do. Sure, yeah, I'd be glad to. So uh, my name's Chase, as you mentioned, and uh, I'm actually a bivocational pastor. So uh, I know the church world pretty well because I uh, pastor a church myself and do that part-time. And on the other side, uh, I spend my days doing freelance web design and development. So it's kind of a a weird mix of skill sets. I actually remember in seminary, uh, I would take Greek classes, and then I came home in the evenings and was trying to teach myself to code on the side. And uh, it's actually paid out and been really nice. It gives me a job that's able to sort of provide for the ministry and then continue to be able to pastor. And so it's been a it's been an interesting journey, but one that I've really enjoyed and uh, one that has worked well for us. Oh, that's great. Uh, so you're a pastor that also builds websites. Um, wow, that's that's amazing. <laughs> um, I, I'm really excited. To, I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to get into the conversation with you because you, you totally get our audience. You, you, you're on both sides of it. So... Uh, yeah. Why don't, we, why don't we start off with the basics? So can you describe uh, what makes a good website, just in a very general term? Like, what, what is a good website? Yeah, you know, it's the right question to start with, for sure, because uh, what usually happens is a couple things, especially in the church world. We, we 
we think we need a new website. We've seen someone else's website that seems to be really trendy and modern up to date. We think we need something like that. And so what tends to happen is uh, organizations tend to just sort of grab what information they have around them. So we've got some ministries, so let's put some pages about ministries and maybe an about page. And of course, we're going to need a giving page. And we kind of just throw this content up that sort of just mimics what, how we think about the church. And I always say on any web project to begin with, some of the hardest part is really sitting down and making sure you have a sense of what you want that website to accomplish. Uh, as much as we might like to believe that people sort of wake up on Monday morning and decide to go to our church website to see what's new, they, they usually don't. Uh, the church website can be a really great tool, but it's only a good tool if we know what we're trying to accomplish with it and really build it with that goal in mind. So I usually say there's there's two good ones that I think are a good place to start the, the conversation with. Uh, a church website is a really good way to introduce people to who the church is and what God is doing in that unique and particular context. I mean, the truth is most people, if they're going to visit a church or looking for information about a church, the web's one of the places they're going to do it. So a good introduction to who the church is. And the second one... Uh, Regardless, it ends up being sort of the center communications point. So you may be emailing the congregation, you may be posting the social media, but at some point all of those things are going to track back to the website. So I think a, a good website, if it can do those two goals right, you're, you're well on your way. Can it introduce people to the church, and can it support the ongoing communication that you're having with volunteers or members or just people sort of uh, participating in the worship of that church? Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, I think uh, we we've come in contact with that as well, where uh, we we're trying to help churches understand the the goal of the website is to serve. It's almost like you're building an employee for the for the church, and so you want to identify what the job is, and then build around that. Yeah, so I that's, think that's a good analogy because otherwise you can sort of. Um you can get overwhelmed really quick. There's so much you can do with the web. And technology has given so many different options. And uh, if you just try to start grabbing at stuff and seeing what other people have done and throwing it together, you just it'll overwhelm you and you'll spend a lot of money and a lot of time and still not know if you're really doing what you wanted. So at the beginning of the project, really being clear about here's the way that we want the website to help with the communication work that we're doing or with the conversations we're having. If you can nail down some of those goals, it makes biting off a redesign or starting a new website a whole lot easier of a project. Great. So let's get very practical. Uh, so what do you recommend a church website include on the site? Yeah, you know, all gets practical in a second, too. Um, but I think you kind of have to start with the philosophical um, Unfortunately, a lot of what the website does is it ends up sort of replicating the way we the church. So oftentimes it'll talk the way we do, the ministry names, maybe the things that we've come up with. And we forget that a website is not just an abstract thing. Uh, at some point, there are real human beings on a whole bunch of different devices, totally different contexts that are using that website for a specific reason. They're not just coming to it. They're coming because they have a question or they're coming because they're looking for a piece of information. And so taking those user goals and the context that they're in, uh, taking those uh, into consideration early on is a really important part of determining what you need to include. And so uh, I often do an exercise where we develop what we call user personas. So we sit down and talk about all of the things that a potential user might need to do on the site, and we actually craft those out into little narrative stories. Uh, those user personas become really, really valuable because as you start making decisions about designing the site or what to include in the site, 
instead of that conversation being based around who has what idea or who likes what or what you've seen somewhere else, those personas give you an objective to come back to that everybody has pre-agreed on, and it lets you make those decisions based on something more tangible and real. Uh, how would this feature impact these personas that we know are using the site? Does it answer the basic questions or the context that they come to the site with? So uh, I think that's a really important first step of answering that question. What does it need to include? But to get to your sort of more practical uh, answer, I think a site, number one, needs to be able to introduce the church well and position, sort of explain and position what God is doing in that unique context, what makes that church unique. And then right off the bat after that, it almost maybe goes without saying, but probably needs to, uh, service times and contact information are, are probably the things that go overlooked, but are probably talking about user personas, the most typically used aspects of a website. So that has to be really clear and central. How do I get to the church, contact the church, and what are the service times that are available? Um, in some ways, to be totally honest, if the site really clearly explained who the church was, and gave people a way to contact it and show up for a service, if it did nothing else but that, it's just those few goals is going to make it a pretty successful site. Great. And you started into it uh, with your process. I, I guess I'm curious, too, because I think that's a big uh, idea. So you're saying with your process, when you help churches build a website, you take them through this process of uh, identifying their personas. Is there anything else you can give us insight on with the uh, what a good website process should include? Yeah, you know, so to, to speak to that, we always sit down at the very beginning and say, what are our goals? What are we want to accomplish? We kind of have mentioned that, but I think that's really important to get out at the beginning because it gives everybody, if you're working on a team, it gives everybody an opportunity to just say, here's all the things that I've been thinking about, the things that we sort of think would be a good idea. But I, uh, I always use, there's an example uh, that kind of made its way around web design a few years ago of uh, these two circles, uh, Venn diagram, where they sort of overlap at one portion. And the idea of the Venn diagram on one side is our business or ministry objectives. What is it that we're trying to accomplish with this site? The other side of the Venn diagram is what is it that the user is trying to accomplish, the context they come in. And there's sort of this classic example that went around of a university. And if you've been around a university, you'll know it's true. On the, uh, on the user side, what's the users trying to accomplish? There were things like, I need a map of where there's free parking and I need to know what the cafeteria is serving this week and what time is the library open. And on the business side uh, were things like how to give to the new endowment program and faculty honors and awards. And the sort of joke is the only thing that overlaps of the two is the name on the top of the university website. Uh, it, it captures really well that a lot of times what we think is important or the way that we talk about things is not the way that the user actually thinks about it. So a great example is you may have really interesting ministry names, but if the user coming to the site doesn't understand, okay, that's, that's what they offer for youth, or that's the, what they offer as small groups, or that's a, this particular kind of service, then you actually make it more difficult for them to understand what's going on. So getting really clear about goals, and then spending as much time as you can trying to understand the users that are using the site, how they're going to use the site, really makes it a lot easier if you decide to build it yourself, or even if you go to hire somebody, coming in with that plan and saying, we know what we want to build, we know exactly what we're looking for, it's probably going to make that project cheaper, and for sure it's going to make it go a lot more smoothly. Yeah, that's great. Um, really, yeah, really good on the on the uh, process side of things, being able to describe what exactly the website needs to do is just such an important thing. 
guides everybody and makes sure everything is in the right direction. So as far as like what the site should include, um, what are your thoughts on uh, search engine optimization? Yeah, so this is a this is one that can sort of real quick turn into a black hole. Uh, you know, you can spend a lot of money trying to get the right search engine optimization, and there's no doubt that there are some basic best practices that are important to get right. You know, making sure you're consistent in how you list the address of the church, making sure you register the church with Google Places. So there's some basics that you want to get right. But I always say, this is sort of how I always explain SEO to, to clients or people that are sort of asking the question. Uh, Google employs a lot of really, really smart people, and they pay them well with the whole intent that they want when somebody searches Google for that user to find the best, most accurate results possible. And they do that by knowing what a website is about and knowing that there's a real organization behind that website that's providing real content that people actually want to read. So uh, I don't think SEO is as much of a secret as it sometimes can feel like. I think what it really comes down to is, are we writing real content that real users are interacting with and find interesting? And are we demonstrating through that content that there's a real organization that exists here behind it? Uh, Google's really good at recognizing those things and making sure that it puts the right people looking for it with the right piece of information. So uh, for most churches, I would say, you know, make sure you're doing your homework on, on local SEO for places, for businesses and organizations. And beyond that, make sure you're just producing good content and it's meeting the questions and needs of users. And I think that's going to get you really far in the search engine uh, sort of problem that most people are trying to figure out. Yeah, I think uh, I guess a big idea with that, too, is that the website should always be updated and, and changing. Is there anything you recommend to, to help the website stay um, relevant? Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of ways you can sort of get, uh, uh, get at this. Um, one of the things, you know, I'm working with the church right now, and one of the things they do really well with this is they have a section of their site called Stories. And basically what they do is they just tell, they ask people within the church, members, volunteers, to just share about how they found the church and what their experience has been there. And they include some great family photography. And uh, it's great because the family is something they can share on social media and get spread around. And it's also great because if somebody's thinking about visiting the church, it gives them an idea about who's attending and what some of their experiences have been. And that's not, you know, sometimes when we think about writing content, we think the pastor has to sit down once a week and put together some deep theologically profound article that he's posting out on a blog. The truth is you're probably creating a lot of content right now. Your children's department are putting together weekly lessons or programs. Well, could each week could they write up a summary of what was covered in the children's church and include that on the site for parents to be able to see? Could you share some of the stories that are coming in? Some of the life that's just happening around the church can be captured and, and put together in images and text and put on the website. And not only is it going to help with things like search engine optimization, but it also just gives people a better sense of what's happening in that church, that there is life happening and there is change happening and that there's people with stories to be told. So, again, coming back to this idea, what Google's looking for is that the content that's being produced is actually helpful to people. Well, the more of that you can capture around the church and connect it to the website, the better. So a blog, uh, it doesn't just have to be you talking about current events. Uh, it can just be uh, sort of an aggregation of what's happening around the church from different volunteers and different members' perspectives. Yeah. What, what about social media? What's your, um, how do you integrate social media into a website? 
You know, there, there are definitely experts out there on social media that will probably have a, a lot more to contribute to this. But on my end, from a web perspective, um, I think it's important that people can find your social media channels, obviously. Everybody tends to include those icons on the site. But again, I always think, you know, we have this idea that we're going to sit down, you know, once a week and think, realize we haven't posted anything to Facebook. We haven't posted, you know, I need something clever to put on Twitter. And we sort of handle social media like triage like you know we have to make a decision real quick and figure out what we need to do and post something up and if you can get into this practice of creating content for your website then it actually makes the process of social media a whole lot easier and if you go a step further and you really have nailed down those personas we talked about then it gives you a way of thinking about social media more objectively you can say you know identified five or six core people that use the site that we want to communicate to and now you can start looking at your social media and saying, okay, well, have we talked to those people on social media? Have we posted things that are particularly interested to them or answer some of the questions they have? And as you're creating content for the website, whether that be people's stories or updates on ministries, those things become really easy and natural to share on social media. So I think it's critical those two things work together, the sort of creation, the life of the church being posted online, and then using that content to then start conversations and to be able to share on social media. So it sounds like a blog is just a good idea in general uh, for, a, for a website. Is, is that your, your opinion? I do, yeah. I, I don't always use the word blog because as soon as you say the word blog, most of us think, you know, somebody's got to sit down once a week and write up some personal reflection on something. Or, you know, and a lot of times it may not even be called a blog on the site. It may be, just be called updates or announcements or news. But ongoing content that's just communicating what's happening in the church, so in the format of a blog, I do think is really important. And what about the, the overall design of a site? Is there an approach you like or a philosophy you have for the look and feel of a website? You know, this is one that uh, I, I like this question, because uh, if I can say anything to pastors or uh, those that are working in you know, creative offices within the church, communications, um, I wish I could say, take some of the stress off and say, you don't have to do something that's just trendy or just something that's cutting edge. I think what's more important than anything is that the way you design the site, the way you talk, it's an accurate representation of what God's doing in that unique context. And those are different. I think the website should reflect what's happening in the church and what the church looks like. It should be honest. You know, when a person comes to the site, it should give them a sense of what that church is like. And so, um, you know, there's no one answer to that. Uh, there's, you know, it's, it's easy to reach out and grab a website template that's going to get you started. But even then, the images that you're using, the way that you're writing, the way that you're describing things, it should reflect who you are as a church. So I would always be fighting for how does this express who we are? How is this honest of what God is doing here in this particular place? before I would feel any pressure to grab at something that's working for somebody else or just because it seems to look good for somebody else's church website. So what's your opinion on the platforms itself? So there's a bunch of options out there. There's everything from a Wix or a Weebly uh, type of a website. That's a very template-based thing. Uh, there's also WordPress. Is there a preference that you have? 
Yeah, you know, so most of the work that I do is on WordPress just because it's a, uh, you know, they say now 25 to 30% of all websites are being launched on WordPress. So it's, it's a pretty consistent platform. You know it's going to work for you because so many other churches are using it. But the platform question really does come down to sort of the capacity your team has or an expertise that you may have access to. And, and you know, it's becoming so easy these days to get a site up that, if you make a decision now with a certain platform and a year or two down the road you decide to switch platforms, that's really not going to be the end of the world. You can make that switch. You're not locking yourself into something. So the platform question really comes down to um, what, what's going to work best for you that you have access to, help and support, somebody that's going to be able to get it off the ground. And then it's also going to depend on sort of the investment that you're looking to make and those goals of what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, that can be a vague answer. I know people are looking for more specific. Just tell me what to use. Uh, that being said, WordPress is always going to be a safe option for you. Um, if you are just trying to get something up, maybe it's a new church or just a start and there are no resources, then some of the free sites like uh, a Wix or a Weebly, those, if that's where you are and what you're needing, then I'd say get something started and get the ball rolling, and you can always move to a larger platform down the road. Yeah, I think the principles you were talking about earlier, just having the personas and knowing your goals, that's really that's so much more important than what platform you use. And then uh, the platform just helps you to build out something, um, just really it speaks more towards the budget than I think anything else. If you build a great... I think, you know, um, one of the things, we get sort of concerned because when we get into these technology conversations, it can sort of go over our heads pretty quick or it can get so confusing. There's so many options about how to build a website, who I'm going to pay and how it's going to get designed. And uh, you make the right point to say the real hard, as hard as that work may seem, it's actually harder to really nail down how do we describe who the church is and how do we write great content. And to some degree, even if you threw really good content that was really true of who your church is, even if you threw it on a site that wasn't everything you had hoped it would be or as great as you would like, getting into the discipline of that content creation and really articulating who the church is, you're going to be able to get to a good platform eventually. That work of good content creation is really the hardest part and really the part that will make the site excel. And I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, just uh, if, if we put your pastor's head on for just a moment, <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, building a brand, a culture, so to speak, um, is a super powerful way to get people on board with the vision of the church and, and what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish. Um, so maybe speak towards how a website helps you build a brand. Yeah, you know, for me it comes back, and I've kind of mentioned, um, I think you really have to have a sense of what God is doing in a place. And I think, you know, again, you sort of asked me to put my pastor hat on. You sort of, you start to notice, I think, when you're with a group of people over a certain amount of time, you notice that there's sort of unique themes that seem to happen in what God is doing in a place. You notice it in people's lives and the stories that they share. And sometimes those things aren't necessarily slogans you're going to start using for the church. Sometimes they're more personal than that or deeper than that. But you do start to get a sense when you're with a group of people in a church for a time that God is doing something unique. He's doing something in that particular context. And so I think as a church tries to communicate who we are, a brand, I think it has to really wrestle deep with those questions. What is God doing here? How do we be honest to what God is doing? And I, as a pastor, how do I help other people start to recognize that and see that and communicate that? Um, sometimes when we get into things like 
design and when we get into things specifically like a website, what's easiest is just to grab at what other people have done. And I think we have to be really careful of that because we end up sort of trying to leverage whatever God's doing there and hope that we can show people or convince people he's doing the same thing here. And I think what people are really wanting to see is they're wanting to see communication from the church that takes really seriously where they are and what God's doing in that place. So pastors, I think, are actually sort of unique. I, I know it seems like a, a weird combination to do what I do in pastor, but I actually think we're at a unique place where recognizing what God's doing and communicating that actually works really well with both disciplines. So if you have the courage to be unique and sort of embrace that, I think it actually becomes a really powerful thing. What we found is that, uh, yeah, just in line with what you're saying, a website is such a powerful tool to let the, the light uh, of Jesus Christ shine in, the, in a community and in an area. Because you, you can basically just let people know what's going on and the, the great things yeah. that, that are happening. It's a wonderful tool. So you, um, you spoke... Go ahead. I was just going to say, especially if, uh, if the people who are looking at the site recognize that this is a real authentic expression of what God is doing. Um, I think we're all, there's so much marketing around us all the time that I think people have gotten pretty good at being able to sniff out when somebody's trying to just leverage someone else's brand or trying to convey something that they think is going to sell. But if you can get something, and that's what I'm saying, even if it's not as good as you would want it to be, if it, if it errs on the side of being authentic and true, I think it's going to be more valuable for you. Excellent. And we, so we spoke to the fact that you shouldn't, you know, stress out too much about how, how much you put into the website, the design, the technology. Can you speak now to the other side of that? Because we come, we come across pastors who just don't think it matters. What, what would you say to a pastor who, who has a website that maybe is 10, 15 years old, it's outdated, and they, they don't think it matters? Yeah, you know, it's hard. Uh, I always say, and sometimes there are exceptions to this, but by and large, uh, if you just look at the way you use technology, we all pretty quickly realize how much it ends up actually mattering. I mean, the truth is, I don't do much of anything without doing a quick Google search to try to find a recommendation or find a piece of contact information. And what, what most of those pastors are, are sort of, I think, trying to articulate is they don't think the hype of the technology matters. And I think in some contexts that can be true. Um, if you're just trying to make a big splash, well, maybe that's not what they're interested in doing. But I think they miss the fact that it is the primary way that we communicate even basic information today. So even as simple as how does somebody find the address of your church? How do they contact the church? How do they find out uh, who the pastor is? Or how do they, even the simple task of how do I get on the line and make a donation if I want to support something through the church? Uh, a website is not just a piece of marketing material. It's not just a brochure. It becomes so much a part of just how we interact with each other and how we communicate with each other that I think they're probably in, a, in, an, attempt, in an attempt to shy away from the flashiness that goes along with marketing sometime. I think they're actually sort of missing out on what could be beneficial for them as well in it. Yeah, that's really good. That's um... That's good. So, yeah, you don't want to miss out. Uh, the, the culture is definitely at the point where everybody has a cell phone, everybody has a tablet. And if you're not where the culture is, then you're, you're, not, you're not trying. You're not fishing <laughs> in a way. And, and, and again, I mean, I'll just keep stressing that point. The way that you interact with that is going to look different. Um, you know, uh, our church is a relatively small church. We've not made 
some massive investment in marketing materials and a massive investment in a website because it's just not a reflection of who our church is. But we have online giving up. We have an email list that we send updates to every single week and try to communicate. And, you know, we try to leverage the technology that's available in a way that feels true of who we are and what God is doing. So that's always my encouragement. Don't, uh, you know, you don't have to throw everything out and say that none of it's applicable. Uh, there's probably a way that you can use some of the technology, even staying true to some of the convictions you might have, that even, as a pastor might be different from someone else's convictions. So my hope is that this conversation helps uh, maybe some pastors that are listening, but uh, communication directors or marketing people that are out there, whether you're on staff or you're volunteering to help your church, hopefully it gives you some fuel so that you can um, think about a website for your church in, in the proper light, and you can make sure it's doing the job that it needs to do. Uh, Chase, is there anything that you would say, say to a maybe a communications director, somebody out there that's just in charge of a website? They may not be the pastor, but any tips or tricks or plugins that would help their job just be a little easier? Um, yeah, you know, I might if I can't sort of answer it really broadly, and then I might get into a, a recommendation or two. But um, you know, I think the more if you're on staff, and maybe you have a senior pastor who you know you've got sort of a vision for how you're wanting to use technology, and they seem maybe a little reluctant. And uh, I think if you can do sort of what we've been talking about, being able to articulate a goal and a reason, and really trying to explain how you think this will help with ministry or be authentic to who the church is. Uh, I think it's really important to always approach those conversations from that light. Uh, we can be a little, those of us who, who use technology a lot can be a little quick sometimes to run into meetings and think this is going to be amazing and it's going to change everything and we've got to have this and look how nice it is. And I think if we could come in and recognize that the role that it plays is not just sort of we have great technology because we love great technology, but rather it serves a purpose and it's furthering the organization's goals uh, I think we're always going to be able to have better and deeper, more honest conversations if we can sort of come in thinking a little more deeply ourselves about why we're doing this. So I would say wrestle with those deep questions, wrestle with the goals, really understand the users, and you're going to find a whole lot more opportunities to sort of explore some of these technologies. Um, if I had to give a recommendation, you know what, I, uh, I'm a little bit self-taught when it comes to technology, so I can't imagine there's so many great learning resources out there. Uh, Lynda.com is a great one for tutorials. And they have all sorts of video training for all sorts of different platforms. Um, if it's something you're interested in, I would say just dig in. There's never been a better time than the one we live in right now to learn. And you would be amazed what you could teach yourself and what you can get off the ground with just a little bit of Googling and spending some time watching some tutorials. Uh, you're capable of probably a lot more than you think you – capable of a lot more than you think you are if you're willing to sort of invest some time and just learn some new skills. Great. And then um, just on the uh, other side of that, too, I think um, one of the great things about a website is that you're able to track your progress. So if you have a, a Google Analytics plugged into your site, then you're able to really be good stewards of your resources because you can see what people are responding to. Um, as you were talking, I just was thinking through that. I was like, you know, one of the powerful things that we do with um, with websites is just we're able to help the church learn about what people are doing because there's a there's a way to track people through um, through something like Google Analytics. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, a great way of doing that is uh, there's a sort of, sort of on the we we think of just putting information out. I needed about page, a media page, a leadership page. Uh, one of the things that more and more people are doing with websites in the business sector that I think has a lot of opportunity for ministries is uh, in the business world they refer to it as lead generation. So you've probably done. I, I think your website even does this. You you know you allow people to download a free PDF if they're willing to share your email so that you can update them about what's going on. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunities for churches to explore with that and say, what are some of the ways that we can start a conversation that may not even stay online, that may move offline through the website? Are there ways we can serve people for, you know, an opportunity to contact them? Or is it possible for them to pre-register their kids or RSVP for a service so we'll know who they are and be able to welcome them better when they come? And so there's just a lot of opportunities if you're willing to explore and really be motivated by knowing your users and trying to communicate better with them. Uh, there's really just more and more opportunities these days for doing it. The technology is getting easier. So I'm excited to see if, if people can sort of be authentic and uniquely them. I think we're going to see a lot of interesting things people are doing to help with the ministry in the years to come. Excellent. Well, Chase, thank you for having that conversation with us. Uh, I know there's only so much we can cover in a um, probably about a 30-minute block here, but um, is there a way for people to keep uh, keep in touch with you online, maybe social media or, or anything else you might have out there, a website, anything like that? You know, uh, they're more than well, welcome to contact me. It's just my name, Chase Ruffalogle, uh, on Twitter is a great way to get a hold of me. Um, the uh, I might mention, so, uh, you know, I obviously work with churches and help with webs websites. And one of the things we've been working on is sort of a dedicated theme for WordPress for churches. So it's sort of in the introductory stages. But if you're interested in that, uh, there's no hard sell yet. It's not even for sale. But I've got just a landing page. It's actually at uh, ministry.website. If you go there and uh, you can see a little preview and just drop an email address, and we'll let you know when that comes out. But uh, Twitter is always a great way to get a hold of me too. Excellent. Thank you, Chase, once again for, for coming on the Church Brand Guide podcast. And I appreciate all the information you shared with us. And uh, hopefully everything goes really well with your beta testing on the, on the theme. That sounds amazing. We'll keep up to date on, on that so we can let people know about it, when it once it's released. I hope that was helpful for you today, whether you have a website that you have just built and you're using it as a way to evaluate your website, or maybe you've had a website for a while and you just need to know how to upgrade it to do what you need it to do. Or you can determine if you need to build a new website and start from scratch and, and just start it over. Hopefully this episode helps you to have context of what a great website needs to do for your church. And then you can make a great decision moving forward uh, of what you need to do. So every week we like to share a resource, usually a book, that's going to help you on your journey. And this week I wanted to share with you a book called Art of the Start by Guy Kawasaki. So this is a great book, and it, it's really about a mindset, and uh, it shares about how uh, how a lot of how-tos, very practical advice on on doing something great, and it, it doesn't matter if it's a big thing like starting a new business or starting a new church, um, or um, something that might be a little smaller in scope like like starting a, a home group for your church. Um, it's just about doing it great really really well so guy kawasaki has done this many times over in the business world and he shares some really practical tactics on how to create a strong brand how to um, raise finances if you need to do that and how to present present ideas big ideas and uh, present it in a way that's going to be influential to to key people 
So I, re- I recommend this book as a, as a great resource for church leaders. And uh, when you're trying to build something that's really great in your community, it gives some great, great insights on that. So again, the book is called Art of the Start, and it's written by Guy Kawasaki. I also want to encourage you to go to our website. It's churchbrandguide.com. On the website, you're going to find some great resources, uh, which are free. Um, Basically, if we can create a resource that's going to help you out, we try to do that, create some PDFs and spreadsheets and and provide them as downloads. So make sure you go to the website, check out the free downloads that we have. The download I'd like to highlight today is going to be our website building uh, questionnaire. We have a questionnaire that provides a bunch of questions to help you determine what your website needs to do. And uh, if you're looking to rebuild your website, this is the questionnaire we use to help churches rebuild their website. It gives us the right information so we can do that very effectively. And uh, so I recommend you get that. It's a free download. Again, the website is churchbrandguide.com. You can go there and see all our resources, which you can download for free. There's also some video courses on there where we're teaching something more, more in a more visual way. So make sure you check that out as well. Uh, also rate us on iTunes. Um, we've had some great ratings. Um, we love it also when you contact us with any questions or comments. We love getting feedback on Facebook. Um, we, uh, it's just a wonderful encouragement uh, to keep going uh, when, when we get feedback from you. So I want to encourage you to do that. Well, thanks again for joining us in the Church Brand Guide podcast, and I'll see you next time.